Comics. I'm talking about comic books, and I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Hines, alongside my brother, Will Hines. That's me. And we are two brothers uh, who are also comedians slash teachers slash performers at the Upright Citizen Brigade Theater, uh, who grew up loving comic books and now are forcing you to listen to us talk about those comic books because you didn't have a choice. You had to download this and you were forced to listen to it, and I've made that happen. We have mind control over all humans, but the only thing we use that power for is to make a non-significant number of you download and listen yeah. to our podcast. We're not a super popular. We're, we're doing okay as a podcast, but we're not like a huge gangbusters podcast because that would be an it. abuse of our powers. Yeah, we'd feel bad about it. Yeah, but for some of you, selected at random, it felt okay to to use our powers for selfish gains. So if you're listening to this podcast, um, well, I was going to say thank you, but I shouldn't because you have no choice. Yeah. So thank you for being a weak-willed person who could not resist our mind control. Um, Kevin, uh, we're going over Justice League this season. Yes, specifically the Justice League International run uh, helmed by Keith Giffen with uh, scripting by James DeMatties and penciling initially by Kevin McGuire. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a super team uh, in retrospect. Yes, and as we said the last two episodes, no one really, I think it didn't seem like this was necessarily going to be a hit. It's a Justice League comprised of mostly B and C level heroes, um, except for Batman and maybe Martian Manhunter, if you call him an A level hero. Yeah. Captain Marvel's probably a B plus. Right, but he's not even in it that long. No. So, um, but then this was a hit and it was really fun and a lot of it has to do with its humor and its lightness, especially because it was done in the 80s when everything was serious. Yeah. Things were getting more and more serious, and Justice League went the opposite direction. Uh, I really love this era of DC um, comics. I love the Green Lantern run at this time. I loved Wally West's Flash run, especially when William Messner Loeb's was writing it. Um, mm -hmm. And people love Mark Wade who followed him, so Wally West was a strong character for a while. Uh, it was just a fun era of DC, I think. You're crazy. Yeah, I am. I'm nuts. Um, this is issue three. We're going over this, uh, this, um, what is this episode? I was going to say month, but it's episode. Yeah. This week. And this issue is called Meltdown. That's right. Should we talk about the, um, comic book shutdown? How comic books aren't being sold? Oh yeah. Let's do that. So this will be old news by the time this is really, we haven't released episodes one or two yet. So <laughs> while this is fresh news today, we'll be releasing this in three weeks when it'll be old news. Right, we are recording this on Saturday, April 4th, mm -hmm. and this probably isn't going to come out until the third week of April at the earliest, so who <laughs> knows what's going on. But um, Diamond Comics, which distributes all the comics to the comic book shops, is unable to distribute comics. And most comic book shops were unable to give out comics, so no comic books, no new comic books, or very few, some digital ones, but very few new comic books came out this past Wednesday. And even fewer will probably come out this next Wednesday. That's nuts, huh? Yeah, I'm catching up on a lot of comics that I uh, haven't had a chance to read. So for me, it's it's a relief. But uh, for everyone who makes money off of selling or making comic books, it, it's a huge uh, burden. Yeah. Um, so they just didn't decide to release them digitally, or they just they didn't see this coming, so they weren't able to yeah, plan anything. I mean, or... I think Marvel and DC could probably release them digitally, or the big companies could. But I think then you are hurting the stores when they reopen. So it's a tough decision to, to make. Like, 
do you kill where most of your comics are sold? Or I don't know if it would kill them, but it would hurt them. Um, yeah. And make them go under and you'd lose a lot of shops and that would hurt Marvel and DC more than maybe the short term gain. I don't know. Um, it's a weird situation. Uh, it's never, there's never been like a period like, I mean, there's nothing like this, uh, coronavirus thing, but, uh, a stretch now we're going to probably have like a month of no new comic books. This is the craziest. I mean, it keeps getting crazier. The scale of the effect of this pandemic. I mean, just a (laughs) terrifying sickness is enough, but Mm -hmm. then the economic, uh, implications are also crazy. Yeah. Everyone's losing their jobs. Um, companies are going under people. I can't pay rent. Uh, people can't pay rent and landlords don't have money. Taxes can't get paid. Governments are spending trillions of dollars that they'll never get back. And on top of all that, no new comic books. Not, it's not fair. We need to at least see our fake escapist worlds where sometimes justice wins. Um, baseball season should have started and it hasn't. And I'm, uh, and you are also a baseball fan. And it is one of these weird things where this is a stupid thing to think, but I'm like, ah, this would be a great time for baseball to exist. Yeah, because you have all this time. Yeah, yeah. I'd watch a lot of games, um, but I can't for the same reason that I have that time. What do you think? So it's like a really obvious Twilight Zone. Does anybody know what's going to happen with this diamond thing? Like, has Marvel or DC said? uh, Some of the fears that Diamond will go bankrupt. Like they don't. They're not a company. I think that rakes in the dough. Uh, I mean, Marvel and DC mostly survive on movie deals, probably and being owned by bigger companies. Yeah. So it's not like any comic book company makes a ton of money. All small comic book companies must be in real big trouble. Like IDW, boom, they make a lot of great comic books, but they don't make a ton of comic books. I can't imagine they can go a month without releasing a comic. Now this is now I'm gonna I'm gonna speculate on a level of detail that is truly stupid because I'm just. I'm hoping I would like these little comic book companies to be able to survive. They're more important in some ways than Marvel and DC because Marvel and DC, the movies will keep them alive. So I would like to think that, you know, if the artists and writers are not salaried and they're just contractors and and they don't have like a big office space or a rent to pay that they can sort of, yes, their editors don't get a salary and the owners won't get paid. There'd be huge implications no matter what, but maybe they can go into an emergency sort of shrinking mode just to survive if it's a month or two. Yeah. I mean, I I think Marvel is reducing how many comics they're making. I think DC is not stopping making comics, at least initially. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're still early in this. Nobody knows what's going to happen next. But um, the small companies, I'm definitely worried about them. Uh, I would hate for any of them to go away or the ones I don't even read or don't know about uh, because yeah, there's so many of them. I think they're all the sort whole of very new lands, valuable. I mean, I wonder if there's going to be some bloodletting where all these little companies close up and then new ones take their place. You know, just new people who haven't yet burned yeah. all their savings and like... Uh, right. Because I mean, also like these comics and create, like I, like you, I think, implied like probably the creators will still want to make those comics. So like these comics that are like halfway through or, or, or just started like would find a new home if they're good. I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, bonkers. Um, well, once we get information, just wait three weeks and then we will give you an update. (laughs)
That's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll keep seriously. By the time people are hearing us talk about it, they'll be like, uh, "Marvel's gone, you idiots." DC's yeah, turned right. into a flower shop. <laughs> um, the entire U.S. has been swallowed by a giant turtle. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's you guys should news. be talking about. And that's that'd be comic book news. That'd be very Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, yeah. We we should discuss that. If when the it Earth gets swallowed by a giant, if that happens, we're releasing an early episode. Like we're going to be on top of that. <laughs> Yeah, okay, good, good idea. Well, yeah, you'll know at the top of the podcast, we'll mention that this is being recorded yeah. out of order. Um, well, let's, let's, now I really want to get into this issue because it, it took place in the 80s when the only thing we had to worry about was nuclear war and AIDS. Yep. <laughs> uh, one of which is touched on in That's this right. story. This is called Meltdown, and it's continuing a story where last issue there were three sort of villains-ish who show up mm-hmm. and um, they want to rid the earth of nuclear weapons because their home planet was destroyed by war. And these characters were um, both sort of Marvel analogs of Thor, Scarlet Witch, uh, Scarlet Witch, and uh, maybe Yellow Jacket, maybe Wasp. I'm going to say Wasp because okay. I, I want to. Um, and their names are Blue Jay, the Silver Sorceress. Uh, right? Yes. And. Vind, Vind, Wanjinja, Winjinja. Yeah, it rolls (laughs) off the tongue. They're like, what's what's the equivalent of Thor? And they just threw threw a bunch of letters ninja together uh, in the the most awkward combination. Winjinjinjinjinja. Yeah, but but those are those are the three characters, and the Justice League had chased them into Bialya. Yeah, Bialya is what I'm going to say. Um, and Bialya asked the Justice League to stand down and the Justice League did. Yeah. And we're going to find out a little, we'll find out basically why they did that in this issue. Spoiler. It's not that big a deal. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. So should we get into it? Kevin Hines? Let's talk about the covers real quick. Two covers. So I, I, I'm reading a collection that doesn't have the cover. So Kevin has to send them to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember one of these from when we were kids and one of them I don't. Yes. Variant covers, Kevin. What's the the covers is covers? Well, nowadays variant covers, comic books come out with like 20 covers because then someone will buy 20 copies of that comic book because they're all collector's items. And then that company makes a little bit more money and it inflates, um, the, uh, popularity of that comic book. They'll also do things where it's like, Oh, some variant covers are rare, so you need to buy a hundred copies to get one copy of the variant one in your shop, and then you'll sell that for more. It's it's insane. It's basically just a ways to get the shops to order more and get people to order more of the same story. I don't like it. I don't like variant covers. I also don't really love covers drawn by people who don't draw the insides of the comics, which is pretty standard practice now. Covers are almost always by big name artists who don't do the huh. insides anymore. Um but in this case, I'm not sure why there's a variant cover. One was mainly released um, on the newsstands when this, the comic books were still being released, like in uh, you know newsstands and Seven Elevens and uh, bookstores. Yeah, when there, and when there was still print media, and and the other one was only released uh, or mainly released in comic book shops. Um, so there might have been a thing where just like one of the covers was, I don't know not deemed a good seller for a casual fan. Like the newsstand 
cover has a better look at Batman and Captain Marvel. Right. And it just might be like, this will sell versus other one, which is an accumulation of nobodies with Batman very small. Yeah, I wonder, the yeah, the, the, the newsstand one has their kind of two best known characters visually featured front and center. Yes. And then the direct market one is kind of like more accurate to the story inside the, the gang of. And a better cover. It looks like probably they banged off the other one pretty yeah, quick an, and like, hey, we need a cover with Batman on it more. The direct market used to be like a really a cool thing. Like Kevin and I bought our comics at a comic book store, so we got them from the direct market. But that was like mm-hmm. a relatively new term and idea. Like I think it started in the early 80s. And I think it was Marvel Comics and Jim Shooter, um, the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. And there was I'm going to look her up. There was a woman who worked for Marvel where they really aggressively courted just comic book stores to get them to be sort of loyal and stuff. Yeah, Marvel released certain comics that were only in comic book stores, yeah. right? That like were not released on newsstands. Um, they were sort of like a little pricier just for the real fans. Um, and in a way, I mean, in a definitely in a very real way, comic book shops saved comic books because eventually newsstands stopped carrying comic books because they don't make enough. The profit margin on them was so slim that instead of putting a justice league issue on the stand, you'd rather put games magazine or whatever. It's <laughs> a nice eighties reference. Uh, yeah, just like that would, that would, you made more money off games magazine than you did off of justice league. So why give up that shelf space? Um, so they stopped carrying them and then it was only in comic book shops. Um, so if comic book shops didn't already exist, comic books would have not had an outlet anymore. Uh, yeah. So I also just kind of remember being sort of like psyched to belong to the, the direct market. I was like sort of flattered to be a part of it or something like that. Oh, Carol Kalish. She was someone who worked for Marvel Comics in the early 80s, and she was in the business side. And um, she was aggressively about trying to expand Marvel's market into bookstores and comic book specialty shops. Um, Both those things are huge. I mean, even now bookstores are a big seller for She apparently would go to these mom and pop owned stores and like try to and try to talk to them about how do you run your, you know, can is there a more efficient way you can organize your things to basically to make it easier to get Marvel comics? And Marvel would buy these stores cash registers if they didn't have them to try to like get them up to speed. And also Carol was a car I mean, I, I read only a little bit about her, but um, she apparently got Alex Ross and Peter David their first breaks. Like she, you know, that, that that's was well, that true? I mean, I think Peter David was in Peter the David. sales and side so, like, like that. But f- I think Peter worked for her. When she was just like this Somehow, guy could write yeah, a comic. So, I mean, she. I don't specifically know what she did, but. I mean, Peter David's an interesting character. We'll have to do a podcast on him at some point because. He, when he was hired to write Spider-Man, Jim Olsley, later to be known as Christopher Priest, got a lot of flack for hiring this guy from the sales yeah. department. People hated him for doing that. But it was like, it started right. Peter David's career. And I remember Peter David being good right away. I, I remember noticing stories that had Peter David's name on them. Yeah. They were like funny and interesting and they had style. I think you pointed them out to me like these Spider-Man issues are good. Yeah. Read I remember noticing his name. Anyway, so Carol Kalish... 
was a Marvel um, employee who was part of fostering the direct market. The direct market was a thing. It was a hot until the until the comics like the boom that lasted through the early nineties. A lot of that was from the direct market. Mm-hmm. And so right. we are in you know, 1987 or 1988, whenever this issue came out, we're in prime direct market time. Yeah, it's it's before Image Comics creators had sort of burst open into Marvel's comics. You know, Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson and Sylvester and Jim Lee weren't really doing anything yet. Those guys hadn't shown up yet. They would change everything and the death of Superman would change things. So sort of big, huge event comics. Uh, there's a column called Tilting at Windmill Windmills. Why can't I pronounce it? Words are hard. Tilting at Windmills by a guy, Brian Hibbs, uh, who owns a couple comic shops in, I think, the San Francisco area. And his columns are basically like, hey, Marvel, DC, you need to talk to comic book shops more because the way you run your companies mm. is hurting us. Uh, and I, some of it is written from, like, my two shops, but I, he seems like a smart guy who is wise enough to know my two shops aren't the only like there might, yeah, I've thought this through beyond uh, what just my shop needs. Um, and to some extent, Marvel and DC do a little bit of that. But he talks about like variant covers is bad and rebooting numbers is bad. Um, having too many comics is bad. Like you're selling like 70 titles or whatever. I'm making that number up. And I understand why you're doing that. But that just gives you money now. But it doesn't give you long lasting money because it's crowding out everything else. Interesting. Um, so stuff like that he talks about. So I, I always love reading that I love column. a well-written, like, just informative column, even if I'm not a super expert in the subject. He also does a thing where he goes through the book list data at the end of the year to show which books sold best in bookstores. Um, which I think includes Amazon and Barnes & Noble, like the two big ones. Just sort of being like, here are the comic books that do really well outside of comic book shops. And always like the top 10 are like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Um, and like these kid novels that are like basically comics, mm. but aren't comic books. But are like written like comic books, but aren't sold in comic book shops. And like, he's like, so the art form works. But these are just huh. sold as books. Um, and then for a long time, like Bone did really well and Walking Dead did really well. And then like superhero comics didn't. They did okay. Like right. Watchmen is always on there. But other than that, it doesn't do it. I'm it's convinced. interesting. Anyway, um, these two covers, okay. let's talk about them. Um, real, uh, We mostly talked about them, but one cover is the team sort of against a chain link fence surrounded by armed Russian soldiers. We will learn are called rocket reds. Look, look cool. And then uh, the other one is just Batman yeah. and kept Batman being held a hostage in midair by a rocket red. There's the uh, iconic towers of a nuclear reactor in the background and Captain Marvel's trying to save him and Batman's like, I got to save the world from what, what are the, uh, I can't read it. Yeah. Captain Marvel's saying, hang on, Batman, I'm coming. And Batman says, forget me, Captain Marvel. You've got to save the world from nuclear right. destruction, which is an inaccurate description of what happens. It's in uh, it's ish what's going on. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I like the direct market cover better and yes, me too. And I'm going to throw a thing out, even though we haven't even really got started. All right, let's I take, think our we break. Should take our break here and we will be right 
back. Hey, it's us again, your hosts, Kevin and Will Hines, and we want to hear from you. That's right. You can email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at screwitcomics. We also have an Instagram account where we post images from the comics that we talk about, and that's screwitcomics on Instagram. That's three different ways to connect with us. Tell us your thoughts about the issues we're talking about, or the format of the show, or our life choices that have led us to this point. Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics from Campfire Media. Boom. We're back. It happened. Yep. The break we said would happen occurred. And now uninterrupted comic book talk. First of all, I like before we do that, I'd like to talk about my <laughs> Good, Let's interrupt it. No, I'm only kidding. Um. Uh, let's get into it. So this is called Meltdown. That's right. Splash page. We got some good Kevin McGuire art here. We see Colonel Ruman, who we met last issue, who is the lying jerk dictator of Bialia, who is talking yeah. to our three anti-nuclear villains. And he's clearly trying to get them to go get rid of all of the Soviet Union's nuclear weapons, who we can assume is his main rival. That's right. And these characters aren't buying it. They know that this guy is feeding them bullcrap. Yeah, it's very Justice League. It opens up with this guy doing a big speech. Gentlemen and lady, I, Colonel Ruman Harjavati, am pleased and proud that you have decided to accept my offer of sanctuary. Meanwhile, Silver Sorceress is saying to Windy Ninja, whatever his name is, (laughs) he does like to talk, doesn't he? I could reverse the spell of translation that allows us to understand him. And Windy Ninja goes, no, 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 let him prattle. <laughs> so they're really giving it to him. Oh, it's it's Wand Gina. Yeah, but Windy Ninja is catchier. Yeah, I think if it was Windy Ninja, people he'd still be around. So he tells them to go attack the Soviet Union, and um, uh, they say to him right they, to each other, they say, "Does this self-serving little jerk think we're buying this?" <laughs> so they they see through it immediately, but then they decide. Well, there are a lot of nuclear missiles in the Soviet Union, yeah, so we should do this. If it happens to help this guy, we don't care. And he thinks, oh, <laughs> then he thinks to himself at the end of the page, Ah, Ruman, your silver tongue has won the fools over completely. <laughs> Before I'm done with them, they'll help me conquer the world. Well, maybe I should start with half the world and then work my way up. It's fun. That last line being very Justice League. Um. It's a, yeah, that's, there's a certain level of corniness that makes for a Justice League joke where it's good, but it's a little hokey. But in, in a medium where Stan Lee was popular, that love, that corniness is always welcome. It's a corniness that had sort of been forced out of comic books and Keith Giffen and Jim DeMatteis brought it back. Yeah. Uh, so now we finally get to the ju- not finally it's page three but we get to the justice. I'm, I'm stuck. <laughs> Apologize. It's taken a long readers. time to see our heroes. Trust me, this is a Spider-Man comic book. I know what you're thinking. Where's the Blue Beetle <laughs> and Oberon? <laughs> we certainly haven't seen from Oberon actually in an issue and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, we cut to the bug, which is Blue Beetle ship that they're using sort of as a team. Uh, vehicle and we learned that they've been waiting outside the, air, the airspace of Bialya for nine and a half, uh, 9.2 hours according to Batman yeah so we get to see a little of the char- uh, character dynamics 
Justice League gets a lot of mileage out of uh, their main characters just sort of standing around because we get to hear them talk to each other. Yes. Blue Beetle, who's actually a good natured fellow, is just sort of like a little bored and he makes yeah, a joke he's here. yawning in the first panel. Yeah. And he says, ah, does anybody have idea how many hours we've been here? Batman very mechanically, 9.2 hours. Beetle's like, thank you, Mr. Spock. Batman's like, pardon me? Beetle's like, just a little joke. Um, spare us the humor, Beetle. This is serious business. And here's the line I like. Beetle goes, just once I'd like to rush off to save the world and have it be a gay madcap escapade. Um, uh, it's funny. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. And I mean, t- Blue Beetle's already been involved in a few, for a guy who's new to the DC universe, he was already involved in Crisis in a pretty major way. And then in the miniseries preceding this, Legends, he was also a big part of that. So like, he's, in a way, this guy's a big name, but only because he's been forced into these comics, not because anyone cares. Yeah. Um, I love him. I love the Blue Beetle look. I think he looks cool. I mean, he's Ditko. You're a big so Blue I'm, Beetle fan. But I was a fan of him before I knew he was Ditko. Yeah, you're like, it's this is not this is not something that you're forcing. You very naturally took to him. Yeah, I think I me mean, the Ditko aesthetic attracted me, and I just didn't know that's what it was. Um, and Blue Beetle has a little Spider Man to him. He's he's fun. Um, but yes. Yeah. So, so we get here. to see that we get to see the acting character. Batman's being very serious. Beetle's being jokey. Captain Marvel's being naive. He's, yeah, Captain Mar- Marvel suggests this would have gone faster if we'd sung row, row, row your boat like I suggested, which is ridiculous even for whatever he is, a 10-year-old? Not even a 10-year-old would be like, well, we should do is sing row, row, row your boat. Yeah. Although this but is Captain a world Mar- before video games were really accessible. So maybe kids of this time were singing row, row, row your boat. We didn't know it. I guess you were a kid. Do you remember singing row, row, row your boat at the time that you were reading this comic? I mean, I'll be honest, a nice round is fun to, to when it's really working properly. Yeah. There's something fun about that. Um, Guy Gardner is still wishing he could have attacked the Ruskies because he hates commies. Um, and then on page four, I guess it is. We sort don't of, have page numbers for the issues. Yeah, um, the action kind of gets going. They decide they're going to head into airspace again. Well, the, the three villains have taken off and left Bialya. So now the Justice League is following them and then realizes they're going into Russian airspace and immediately stop again. Yeah, they're very concerned about violating airspace. They don't want to start an international incident. There's a great joke, though, when they when they head off uh, to chase these characters. Um Blue Beetle notices them on the the the, the bugs radar. Mm-hmm. I see three somethings, and they look suspiciously like our nuke busters. Batman asks, "Can you follow them?" But from enough distance that we're not noticed. Blue Beetle says, "Sure can." And then Batman says, "Okay, then, Mister Sulu, warp seven. Yeah, and, and he just Beetle, got made fun of for being Mister Spock. He's playing into a joke. He's yes yeah. anding. He's being a good improviser. And Blue Beetle gets very excited. Hey, everybody! Batman made a funny. Batman made a funny. And Batman just says, don't push your luck, Beetle. And I love it. Um, then immediately after that, the bug stops in midair like it's breaking on the ground. It goes, That's ee! right. It looks very silly. And then we cut to inside the ship and they've all stumbled and fallen because of the fast breaks. And it's slapsticky. It's a bit yes, of a precursor right. to all the slapstick we'll see later in this comic. And um, everyone's and they're fallen. they're trying to decide and- whether... 
everybody, everything everybody says is very funny. Like John Jones is like, perhaps one of us should pilot the bug. Yeah. Gardner fell on top of Black Canary and apparently got kind of handsy and Black Canary is warning him she's going to break his hands if he tries it again. And Captain yeah. Marvel says he'd like to steer drive, but he doesn't have his license yet. Yeah, he has his aircraft license yet. He means driver's license, of course. Um, and they're trying to decide whether or not to follow these characters into the Soviet Union. And they decide they should because it's going to be blamed on America anyway because America is where all the superheroes are from. So they're going to go into the Soviet Union and find Windy Ninja and his buddies. Um, so we cut to the Soviet Union and we see there's like a little group of guys all in sort of like Iron Man suits. They don't look like Iron Man, but like metal exoskeletons. That's and right. this is the Rocket Red Brigade or something like that or the Rocket Red Gang. Yeah. I forget. There's a bunch of like, apparently uh, apparently this was established prior to this comic because uh, they reference a, a run in with the Green Lanterns earlier. But the Rocket Reds are like what? the Soviet Union has created because they don't have superheroes. They created just a bunch of guys in these exosuits and there's like many teams of them all across the entire huge country of, of Russia. And this is just one of those teams of like 10, uh, actually it looks like more like six, five or six uh, guys. And they see that the, these superheroes are flying into their airspace and they're sent to, to intercept. One of the characters is named Dmitri. Who's going to become a bigger part of the Justice League story soon. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, he will eventually, I don't know if we're going to get to it, so I'm just going to say, he joins the team at some point. And, um, and I does, love him. I love I him love too. I love him when he joins the team. That does not happen this issue. doesn't happen for a little while. But the Rocket Reds are chasing after the Justice League, who are intruders of the airspace. So we see the bug flying along and all these little like red Rocket Brigade dudes following them. That's right. And the rocket, the red rockets grab the beetle's legs and, and stop the ship from moving. Um, yes. And uh, so there's another hard break where everybody goes falling. This time it's not the beetles steering it. It's because the rocket reds are stopping the ship. Uh, Guy Gardner, without being told, takes that as permission to go beat the crap out of the rocket red dudes, which he's really excited for. He's, he's very um, alt-right. Uh, which is a term probably didn't exist in the eighties, but does now. Yeah. And he is excited to go beat up some commies. It's time for America's greatest hero to kick some commie butt. So then we kind of start like a little fight sequence where it's all the rocket red people versus the justice league outside of the show. It's really guy Gardner versus all of them. Right. Batman sends Captain Marvel out to stop him. Um, then we have an interesting little cutaway where we cut to Mikhail Gorbachev, the then president or prime minister of the Soviet Union. Now, Mikhail Gorbachev, does he join the Justice League? I forget. I don't remember, but he'd be a great fit. I think him and John Jones would have a lot to talk about. I <laughs> think, Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, but, but yes. It's weird to see actual world leaders in comic books, but Gorbachev is trying to decide what to do about the Justice League invading their airspace. And he's on the phone with someone named Maxwell Lord who we know is a manipulator who's trying to he's he's basically manipulating the justice league. We don't know to what ends, but he he's gotten Dr. Light to join the team. She's on the ship. She's with them right now. Yep, and he's been talking to Booster Gold. 
Yes. And we don't know why, but he's going to try to get Booster Gold to join. And now he has gotten off the phone with Mikhail Gorbachev, who decides to not attack the Justice League because of something Maxwell Lord told him. So now we cut back to the Justice League, and we know they're going to be left alone by Russian troops. But they, they don't know that yet. And the troops haven't gotten the orders yet. There'll be no more troops. The ones who are currently fighting, they have to deal with. Um, so now they send Mr. Miracle out into the fray. I don't remember why. I think this is one of those comics where just like everybody kind of gets their turn. You don't need a big reason for it. Well, because while Captain Marvel and Guy Gardner are sort of tussling, two Rocket Reds are heading towards the Beetle, uh, the, the Beetle Bug. And uh, so Batman tells Manhunter, uh, I want those two kept away from the Bug. No unnecessary force. It's so funny when I'm reading these old comics, like I gloss right over the action. Am I a bad comic book reader? Like as soon as it's a fight, I kind of speed up. Like I just like the conversations between them in between the fights. Well, in this case, I think it is a mistake because these fights are filled with dialogue balloons out of a Stan Lee comic. Everyone's constantly being a character and talking and there's lots of cool stuff happening Mm. even when punches are being thrown. I just assume they're all saying punch, 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 punch. Like uh, John Jones goes out to get Guy Gardner and says, Gardner, Batman wants you inside now. Guy Gardner goes, ah, go back to Mars. Just just rude. Just rude. Um, Dr. Light gets involved and uses her light to like take out one of the rocket red people. Yeah, blinds them. Um, Uh, Also, while this is all going on, there's a meltdown. Oh, yeah. Somehow this is like triggered... That we're by a nuclear power plant, and somehow the Windy Ninja boys, or maybe this battle or something, confuses, I don't know how, but it starts a meltdown. Yeah, uh, they say, uh, I'm not sure, in all the panic we might have, let me check the readings again, uh, who am I kidding? There's nothing to check, we tried to shut down too fast. Which has started a meltdown, a Chernobyl-like. Um, yeah, so they're in trouble. Um Meanwhile, the Justice League is starting to get the upper hand against the Rocket Reds. Black Canary takes one out with her shriek. Captain Marvel punches one away. Um, uh, even as yeah, he's... Pu- and then um, Mr. Miracle throws a grenade. What do you think about the uh, Mr. Miracle's discs that he flies around on? Love them. So he rides these like little two circles that are just like somehow glued to his feet. No matter which way he moves his feet, they stay on his feet and like they sort of just levitate and that's how he moves around and they look so cool. It's very Kirby, you know, it's yes. just kind of like a non-traditional way to get around. But as opposed to like Orion, who's also a new god, he he like rode some sort of weird ski pole walker machine <laughs> that I always thought looked awkward and weird and it didn't look cool to me. I love these discs. Yeah, the discs look like something you'd like to have. It'd be fun to like hang these discs up in your closet, then whip them out and run, you know, float down to the store on them. Mm-hmm. Go for a float around the block. Uh, there's a great moment where Mr. Miracle throws a like light grenade or something um, to at a at a rocket red and stops it. And then he, as he's flying, he turns around and there's three more just sort of floating as he like he walked into them, sort of like <laughs> Han Solo running into a hallway of stormtroopers. Yeah. Uh, afternoon, fellas. You may not believe this, but I don't want to fight with you. And then a very funny thing happens. The Rocket Reds are like, we don't know what to believe. We just received new orders. The emergency situation at one of our nuclear power plants. It appears we desperately need your help. And with that, the battle between Justice League and the Rocket Reds is over. Yeah, no winner. 
tie, I say. Put it in the books as a tie. That's right. So now the head of the nuclear power plant with this meltdown is, and now we get to kind of the main event of the book, which is we're going to have another Chernobyl. Yes. They just like show up and they uh, panic. They're like, this is awful. Chernobyl is like really in the news at this point. Chernobyl is probably like a year old or something or two years old. Like it was a thing that people talked about all the time. So the HBO miniseries was not out yet. I think it had just started going into development though. I think like the, the first draft was getting notes. But that's um, how long it takes to make stuff, guys. It's a Hollywood lesson, everybody. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a nuclear meltdown at a power plant would be like a real like hot button item. I mean, it's bad at any time. But like when this it's, comic it's, book came out, it'd be a thing that everybody was talking about. There's also something like when these huge disasters happen and then like a comic book does an equivalent, they have a better understanding of what it would be like. Because now it's happened. It's sort of just like after 9-11, anytime an action movie had a building go down, it was never treated. Like it was like prior to 9-11, buildings fell down in movies all, all the, time. the time. Yeah. And it'd just be like, oh, well. Uh, and now there's always a shot like, of somebody staring at it with reverence. And like there's smoke billowing. And it's just like, it's, it's like each building is like a huge disaster in and of itself. Because yeah. we saw like, oh, yeah, that's a horrible, awful disaster in and of itself. So I think the same thing there. It's like now that we've had a meltdown in the real world, this comic book knows a little bit of how to treat it. And it's not like, hey, let's save the day. It's like, oh, we're screwed. It's over. There's nothing we can do. So um, stakes are high and um, our villains are distraught because they wanted to get rid of the dangers of nuclear power. But now because of their interference there's going to be a nuclear catastrophe. There's a great Mr. Miracle moment here too. Uh, he's getting a lot of great moments in these early issues. He basically says, they're like the fire pits in apocalypse. I've got to go in there. And like Mr. Miracle's planning to go into this uh, reactor and stop it. And Batman grabs him. Scott, no, not even you could make it out of there alive. I love that Mr. Miracle was going to go sacrifice himself. Um, very heroic move from our, from our visitor from, apocalypse Mm -hmm. and um but no the sacrifice is going to be made by none other than windy ninja the most famous name in alternate earths windy ninja creates like a hurricane gale to knock everyone out of his way and then he bursts into the uh what do you call those big containment silos i don't know but he goes into one of them silos yeah the silver sorceress wants to follow him she's worried about windy ninja they're a couple right um, or maybe they're just friends. It's unclear to me. Um, well, they both are wearing very revealing outfits. Windy Ninja is showing a lot of leg, and Silver Sorceress has kind of a bare midriff costume. So yeah, they're both uh, sexy people. Also so skin tight. Yeah, uh, but Windy Ninja in a, in a ridiculous way. In a ridiculous way, she's body painted, and she's got a helmet that Jack Kirby would look at and go, "Not enough." But good start, he'd say. Good start. That's a good first draft. Add a 90,000% more. This is 10% in the right direction, is what he would say. Um, but a Windy Ninja emerges. We don't really see what he's done, but somehow he has saved the day. But now he's going to die from radiation poisoning. He's yep. going to die immediately. Yep, he comes out and collapses on the ground. John Henry style. Uh, and then the Rocket Reds tell everyone to leave. And um, so Windy Ninja both 
ruined and save the day. And then the Justice League hear that they have to leave Russia. They were given a they, or Soviet Union. They had been given permission to come help, but now that it's re, now that it's resolved, they have to get the heck out of there. Yep. So they and do. So they do. And they go back to their cave headquarters, which is basically the headquarters that Justice League was using in the prior version of Justice League, and uh, just sort of a cave, which you know, I guess made sense at some point. Batman lives works in a cave. But it does seem sort of very low rent for the Justice League just to be walking into like a cave opening. Yeah. And they go into that cave and somebody's waiting for them. Well, who is it? It is Mikhail Gorbachev, the Mikhail newest Gorbachev, member. Gorbachev, the newest member of the Justice League, which is going to become an all diplomacy team. Henry Kissinger, Mikhail <laughs> Gorbachev, Warren Stevenson. These guys are lining up to join the team. No, it's uh, Maxwell Lord. Yeah, and he's sitting there, and he introduces what he says is the newest member of the Justice League, something he has no authority to do. It's Booster Gold. Um, and that's our cliffhanger for this uh, issue. Yeah, and thus begins Kevin Hines' love of the character Booster Gold. It's an exciting time in your life we're witnessing. That's right. That's right. I get very excited. I have, at two different occasions, bought complete runs of booster gold on ebay for getting i'd done it once before <laughs> so i uh had two complete runs plus the smattering of it because basically at this point booster gold was almost over so i started collecting it and then it was canceled and so i was like combing back issue boxes so i had maybe like 10 issues of booster gold and then i went on ebay year many years later and saw oh, the complete collection of booster gold and bought it and then it arrived and I was like, oh, this is great. And when I went to put it in my box, I saw I had a complete collection. I was like, oh, I must have already done this. I have two complete collections of Booster Gold now, which are okay. <laughs> They're not great. There's some, <laughs> there's some good stuff. There's some pretty good stuff. Um, there's a crossover with Superman early on that's really fun. It's fun uh, that it starts in the middle. Like issue one, they don't explain who Booster Gold is or where he's from or what his powers are. He just sort of shows up as like the hot new hero. And it's later on you get to know what his deal is. But it's not like an amazing run of comics or anything. But I loved him. And there's something about him that really appealed to me. He's got some cool goggles to Blue Beetle. Maybe it's goggles that you like. Yeah, I mean, it's a Dan Jurgens design. And Dan Jurgens is a no slouch when it comes to comic book art. He ain't no slouch, yeah. Um, uh, well, this comic, issue three, is already great. It's funny and it's different and it's got a lot of action and... It covers a lot of ground. Like I, a we, lot of we, attitude. We were reading it as it came out, and I remember loving it at this time. Yeah, this is definitely a comic you were getting, and then I would read and be like, oh, I like this one. This is one I will keep reading. As opposed to your other comics, which are just, some of them were Gross. too much for me, or too wordy, uh, not fun enough. Because I was a kid, and I wanted the comics that felt fun, that felt like those Marvel digests. I was probably just starting to get Love and Rockets at that time. Yeah, I remember reading the early Sandman. ones of those, but I don't think I loved them. Sandman, I don't think I loved initially. Watchmen, I don't think I loved, though I liked Watchmen enough. I read it all. I skimmed the pirate stuff in the back matter, but I liked it enough. Um, but but like I was excited by the fun comics. Um, and that's our issue, Kevin. Do we have? We don't have an email because we haven't released any of these episodes. That's right. That's right. Um, what was your favorite moment in this issue, Will? My favorite moment is maybe Captain Marvel saying he would drive if he had his license. No. Well, yeah, I'll say that. What were you going to change it to? The start Batman being in on the Star Trek joke. Yeah, that's a really fun moment, too. Um, 
I liked uh, meeting the Rocket Reds. Uh, I think they're a cool idea. Uh, I, again, I don't think they started here in Justice League. They reference a Green Lantern Corps run-in. But I like the idea, the concept that, that Russia would be like, all these superheroes in America, we need to have an answer. And then on top of that, Keith Giffen and Jane Domenis give these Rocket Reds personalities. Dimitri at one point says something about God. Uh, let me f- see if I can find it real quick. May God um, help us or something. Or yeah, and then, um, uh, one of the one of the other people says, "Dimitri, yes. we're not supposed to believe in God." Yeah, and God help us, whoever gets in our way. Dimitri, yes, Alexi, we're not supposed to believe in God. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny to me. Um, it also was kind of fun if you were like a kid reading this, you're like, oh, the Soviet Union, they they officially don't believe in religion. That's interesting. The more I hear about it, the more I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, you're a late blooming Soviet. Yeah, I can I can see, it, man. I'm you're, a you're I'm an, athe- I'm an atheist. I uh, I think that the we had give too much money to the one percent here in America. Soviets solved all those problems with no repercussions. Based on that one panel of Dimitri saying he doesn't believe in God, he's not supposed <laughs> to believe in God. <laughs> Though I don't believe you should be forced not to believe in God. I think you should be allowed to, I guess. I think you should be forced. I think all opinions should be prescribed. I just would like a country where it didn't feel like the president had to believe in God to get elected. Um, I mean, it stopped me from running for president. It would stop me, too. It would be like, oh, I have to pretend to be religious. Yeah. That's the only reason you and I aren't president right now. Otherwise, we'd be right in there as co-presidents. <laughs> That's right. We wouldn't have done it separately. Uh-huh. I can't do it. Nine to five. I can't do it 24 seven. Yeah. I'll do like, I'll take January, March. (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst way to do it. I come in in February. Catch me up. What's been going on? (laughs) Ooh, a lot. All right. (laughs) All right. Um, Oh man. Like if if we were president now, I'd be like, I can't wait for uh, uh, April. (laughs) I got to get out of this coronavirus thing. Let Will fix it. Especially like if the president who's off duty is just really unplugged and not not answering emails, has no idea what's happening. He's just catching up on his TV and books. Yeah. He's like, the coronavirus is still around? Well, anyway, here's what happens this season on Better Call Saul. (laughs) Kevin, you reading anything good? Uh, Comic book wise? Mm -hmm. Or book wise? Comic book wise. I am just catching up on a lot of uh, single issue stuff that I hadn't read in a while. Uh, a lot of things had gotten away from me um, just from life. And what did I read recently? I've read a couple things that were real good. I caught up on Lazarus, which is by Greg Rucka, Michael Lark, which I think is pretty good. I really like Michael Lark's art, um, but it didn't wow me necessarily. What was I? Uh, I'm trying to think. I've read a few things. Um, I'm trying to think of which one like uh really got me because I've read a few, I I kind of collect things until I get like five or six issues often and then I read them unless they're like just superhero comics which I can read like issue by issue. So and I've caught up in a couple bursts of comics, Lazarus being one of them. Um, and I don't remember the other ones that I've read. Uh, someone is killing the children, which is really good. Mm. Talked about that a while ago on my blog after I read the first issue and decided to save the rest. Um, it's kind of a spooky 
Um, I don't know. That's a great title, first of all. Yeah. Um, it's a monster. It's a monster comic. It's by Boom. So they'll go out of business soon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. So it was a joke. Uh, it would be terrible. It's by this guy, James Tinian, who does a lot of DC stuff that I'm lukewarm on. But whenever he does indie stuff, man, I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nothing that has blown me away. Uh, but a lot of good stuff. Comics are really good right now. Sex Criminals is back. You like that book? Um, I do. I, I do like the book. I stopped reading it, but I, I love the first like handful of issues. They're doing their last arc now. It's wrapping up. The first couple arcs were the best part. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, not reading any comics right now. I'm, I'm um, um, I got to get back into it. I've been, I've been neglecting. I'm, I'm reading real books. I'm reading Just Kids by Patty Smith. Who, who am I? I'm reading a book by Mike Carey, who's a comic book author. But I'm reading a book by him. What's it um, called? What nerds do? <laughs> it's called What Nerds Do, and it's all about um, where you keep your action figures <laughs> as an adult. No, it's uh. Uh, what is it called? It is someone like me. It is about somebody who finds themselves, spoiler alert, possessed by another version of themselves. Ooh. Not quite like first they think they just have a split personality, but it is uh, different than that. It is someone else who's gone through similar lives and is kind of a, uh, I don't want to say too much because if anyone reads it, um, there was just a revelation about what that actually means, but this person is tougher and meaner and angrier than the person that they're taking over who is passive and they are, and that passive person is in some danger from an ex-husband and this other personality is like, let me at him. And it's cool. It's a really good book so far. Mike Carey also wrote a great book. uh, The girl with all the gifts. Have you heard of this book? Uh, yes, I've heard of that. What's it about? It's also been adapted into a movie, which is pretty good. The book is great. It is about, it's a zombie story, but the, the main character in the first part of the book is one of the zombies. Um, oh, cool. and so in this book, like the zombies, uh, sort of have at least the zombie main character that we are following has her own, like is like a normal person most of the time. Uh, unless she like smells blood and then she kind of goes feral and loses control and wants to eat whatever that is. Um, and she is a very cool character. Um, that basically ends up being like a lot of these zombie movies, a road trip where they are traveling through zombie country. And some of the people are like, don't trust this zombie girl they're taking with them. Um, and they're like, we need to muzzle her and tie her up at all times. And some people were like, that's cruel. She's a child. And this zombie girl is like, you should muzzle me. (laughs) (laughs) Or at certain times she is saying that she's like, no, play it safe. I don't want to eat you guys. I remember the trailer for this. Yeah. The movie's pretty good. I think Glenn Close is in it. Um, and there you go. That's a, she's not bad at the acting thing. Right. She ain't too shabby. Um, and, uh, but the book was great. And a lot of my Carrie stuff is really cool because it is maybe this is true of all authors. It's very well thought out. There's reasons for everything. And when you learn those reasons, it adds such layers to the whole story. And it's like, Oh, it all, it all, it's not just an ending. It's an ending that completely makes sense. 
Mike Carey, uh, who wrote Lucifer, I find his stories, this one is not true of that, but most of his stories start sort of slow and then get really, really, really good as he starts building on that. Um, and, uh, because of that, even the stories that start good, like this one, they still build and build and build. It's like, Oh, once you get to the end, you're like, I I love this ending. Anyway, his stuff's good. Cool. Well, um, um, maybe next, maybe next episode we'll have mail. I'm not quite sure what our release schedule is, but, um, yeah, we might have some mail from the first episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, regardless, I hope people out there are enjoying Justice League. We certainly how, love it. Wait, how would people mail us if they're still listening? Oh, that's right. Um, you can email us at screwitspidey at gmail. That was named after our first season. Uh, you can also check us out on Twitter, screwitcomics, or Instagram, screwitcomics. And because we haven't started posting uh, Justice Leagues, I've been posting a little bit on Screwit Recent. Um, some stuff that I'm just reading right now. I just posted some panels from Suicide Squad and... Deadpool characters I don't really like, but comic books that are pretty good right now. Nice. Um, all right, and guys. Got, well, I, I'm going to do a Hellblazer post soon, so look forward to that. Well, look, oh, I'm excited about it. And if you're hearing this episode, look back three weeks on our Instagram and look for those <laughs> Hellblazers posts. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening, Kevin. Good job podcasting. You too, Will. Good job socially distancing for me. We're, we've been doing it for years. Yeah, we're ahead of the curve. Um, all right, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Screw it, screw it. We're just gonna talk about comics. What's going on? Screw it. We're just gonna talk about comics, listeners. Screw it. Are you ready for a promo? Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Muriel. And we're the hosts of Hella in, in Your Thirties, a podcast about a cool couple trying to do adult stuff. So each week we invite you to join us as we try to learn things we should probably already know, like how does a stock market work? Can we install that bidet? Why are all of our houseplants dying? This is a podcast for people of all ages, because remember... Age ain't nothing but a number. But being Hella in Your Thirties is a state of mind. So tomorrow's a new day, let's order pizza. Campfire.